sermon audio is a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. Well, so once again, good morning, uh, everyone. Um, we here at the uh, church office just kind of have to imagine that there are people on uh, various sides of the globe watching right now. We're just looking into a camera and a couple of screens and, and just having to imagine some of you on the couch together with your families drawn together, uh, others perhaps uh, sitting alone in front of your computer. Um, but we just pray that, um, that our time together will be meaningful to you today. Uh, this is a time especially when we go through a lot of uh, emotions. Um, some may be going through sadness because they've lost someone to uh, uh, the coronavirus. Uh, others perhaps are despairing because of uh, their plans have changed. Um, uh, of all of the emotions uh, that we are going through, uh, my guess is our, our least uh, favorite emotion would be fear. Um, somehow some people find fear entertaining. I, I can never understand why people go to a movie and watch something scary and be entertained by fear. Um, but I do have a, um, a hint for you, those of you who do like to watch something that scares you on TV. Uh, if you are ever scared watching a movie, just close your ears. Uh, did you know that just by closing your ears, you won't hear the music and then watching what's on the screen isn't even scary? Um, just a tip for you in case you uh, you do watch uh, scary movies. I try to avoid uh, them um, because fear is one of those things that can be crippling, uh, debilitating. It immobilizes us. It keeps us from doing something just because we believe it's dangerous. Sometimes the danger is real, uh, but other times that danger is actually just perceived. Uh, it isn't really there. Um, and yet we're still afraid and, and we can't just get rid of our fear. Why? Because fear is one of those emotions that we also sometimes get overtaken by. And you can't just change your emotion at will. But what you can do is you can influence your emotions. If you think right thoughts, uh, someone has once defined fear as false evidence appearing real using F-E-A-R, because many of our fears are actually irrational. You don't really face a danger. Michael Pritchard, to quote him, says, fear is that little dark room where negatives are developed. Uh, now, I know some of you are out there and wondering, what's he talking about negatives being developed? I know uh, today in, in digital photography, you can just see your, your picture immediately on the camera. Well, uh, you know, I was born in a day when when you used to have to take uh, the film that you had in your camera over to a studio and they would have to develop it. And it well, never mind. I'm, I, I won't go into that. Um, but I like the analogy. It is a dark room where negatives are developed. We have negative thoughts. And oftentimes that just drives our fear to become even greater fear. Um, do you remember a day when, when it wasn't the coronavirus that we were fearful of? It was terrorism. You remember how terrorists um, try to interrupt what we normally would do and we avoid flying or attending sports events or shopping in large malls because we we're afraid of their attacks? Well, we have another threat that's completely different from terrorism, but it's certainly working in terms of um, getting us not to fly or attend sports events or shop in large malls. Today, we have an infectious and deadly virus that's actually keeping us from doing the things we normally would do or, or want to do. And many of us are afraid of being infected because getting the virus will certainly bring on terrible pain and maybe would bring on death. But should you be afraid? 
That's the question we're going to ask and try to answer today. Should we be afraid of this virus? Uh, kids out there, what are you usually afraid of? My guess is um, children are afraid usually of the dark, maybe a loud thunderstorm. I remember our kids would always want to come into our uh, bed to find comfort. What are adults afraid of? We're afraid of perhaps losing our hair. Uh, some of us are at least. Um, afraid of dogs or mice or other vicious animals like those or spiders, insects, even darkness. Some of us are afraid of heights. And if we lived in a country where we were currently at war, we would certainly be afraid of bombing raids. Well, what should we do when we're afraid? Well, I believe we should fill our mind with the truth. And when we fill our mind with the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is, he sets us free also from our fears. And so today we're going to look at Psalm 27 and meditate on three truths about God that even the sons of Korah also proclaimed. He is our refuge, our strength, and our help. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 27. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll be uh, showing the verses on the screen this time. And let's just look at the first three verses to see the first reason why even in times of coronavirus, we should not be afraid. Beginning in verse one of Psalm 27, written by David, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. See, David was the king of a small nation in the ancient Near East. <clears throat> but much of his life that we see recorded of him in the Bible is of him either fleeing from Saul or fighting wars with neighboring countries. We even see him being exiled by his own son who was trying to tear away his throne. And so the biblical record we have of King David shows him oftentimes fleeing from an attacker, seeking refuge, needing assistance, fighting a battle. And if he was afraid, well, naturally it would be related to being attacked by stronger armies from without or even being removed from his throne by enemies from within. But here we see David saying, the Lord is my light. In the New Testament, we often see light describing the Lord. But you won't find the Lord is my light anywhere else in the Old Testament. Sure, you will find that the Lord is light. The prophets speak of that. But our knowledge of God as light comes mainly from the New Testament, especially John, First uh, John 1 verse 5, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We have to remember that David also lived in a time when being able to see at night depended on the phase that the moon happened to be in. Nighttime and darkness is not as fearful for you and me today as it was for David because we have all kinds of sources of light today. But let's just try to imagine what it was like for David and how we would feel about night and darkness if we had no other light sources. See, darkness is something that could be fearful because the people or your enemies can hide and they can lurk unseen. You don't know who might be out there and how close they happen to be. And darkness is fearful because you'd have no forewarning of an enemy attack. You don't even have time to run. You can only react. And David says here, he's not afraid. 
because the Lord is his light. And not only is he his light, he's his salvation. The Lord is my salvation. And the word here means deliverer, a rescuer. Danger may certainly be present. It may not be an irrational fear, but the Lord is sure to come to the rescue. And this might be interesting for you that the Hebrew word that David uses for salvation is the same word where the name Jesus originates from, Yeshua. As Joseph and Mary were told by the angel that they were to name their son Jesus because he will save. Now, he will save his people from their sins, we know, just as Conrad was explaining in, in his lesson as well. And David is not afraid because even if his enemies were allowed to inflict their evil on him, the Lord was certain to come to his rescue. The Lord is my light and my salvation. And he says the Lord is the stronghold of my life. You know, the best defense against an enemy army in David's day was to dwell on a high place with fortified walls. That's called a stronghold. And with a good stronghold, evil men could advance, foes could attack, armies might besiege, but their efforts would fail. And as David knows, he would remain unharmed. He's not afraid because the stronghold of his life, the strength of his life is the Lord. And he's so secure so that it is his enemies that will stumble and fall. And because the Lord is all these things to David, he's not afraid of his enemies. My heart shall not fear, he says. I will be confident. So, again, the question for us is, should we be afraid? Well, not if the Lord is around us, just like our stronghold. Not if it is the Lord who protects us from all our enemies. The Lord is the one that we should depend on for our protection. You know that the devil is seeking to devour us. We should always know this and remember that the Lord will only allow evil to touch us if he has a good purpose that it will serve. Sometimes he allows us to be tested so that we will depend on him instead of ourselves. Sometimes the Lord allows us to be tried so that we can prove our faith through the trial. And sometimes the Lord allows us to suffer pain to correct our wrong behavior. But, and sometimes the Lord allows us to endure hardship because we need to be humbled. But the devil is limited to what the Lord allows. And if we have physical enemies who seek to harm us, let's remember that the safest place to be is in the center of the Lord's will. And if we're being obedient, we're fulfilling his desires for us, we can be sure that he will make sure we will complete his will. And if he has no more for us to do in this life, then he'll take us home one way or another to enjoy his presence and experience his glory. And if death is just a few breaths away, and for some with this coronavirus, it is literally just a few breaths away. Let us remember that the Lord has secured eternal life for us. But you need to be confident of your eternal salvation. Are you confident of your eternal salvation? Because if you are uncertain of where you will be when you die, then you ought to be afraid in this life. Because any pain or suffering we might experience in this life is actually minimal and temporary compared to the weeping and the gnashing of teeth in the eternal lake of fire. We can be thankful that God has already come to the rescue. Amen? Amen. He has already sent the Savior, Jesus Christ, but if you do not believe in him, then you have rejected the only means of salvation available. And rejecting Jesus as savior is like rejecting the life preserver, the lifeboat, the rescue patrol, while your ship has sunk to the bottom of the Atlantic and you still insist to make it on your own. 
But those of us who have accepted Jesus as Savior, we know that our eternal life is secure. And no matter what our enemies in this life may do, they can't change our eternal destination in heaven. So is the Lord your light and salvation? Is he the stronghold of your life? Then should you be afraid? Well, no, not at all. You need not be afraid of any enemy, whether it's seen or unseen, physical or spiritual, giant or microscopic. What other metaphors could be used to describe the Lord that the, and how he protects us? Well, if you're in the military, you might say the Lord is my armor. If you're alone in a quiet house and afraid, remember the Lord is my security alarm. If you're being bullied, you might say the Lord is my bodyguard. Whatever the threat may be, if you can truly say the Lord is my light and my salvation, the Lord is the stronghold of my life, then whom shall you fear? Of whom should you be afraid? Should you be afraid? Not if the Lord is around you, your stronghold. Well, let's go on to verse four then, and uh, through verse uh, six to answer this question as well. We know we can't, we shouldn't be afraid if the Lord is around us. Verse four says this: One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. So here we see David seeking refuge in the presence of the Lord. Should you be afraid? Well, not if the Lord is around you, but also not if the Lord is with you. David knows he can find refuge in the presence of the Lord. And when your enemies are bigger and stronger than you are, you would naturally try to find a friend who's greater than your enemy. Well, who is greater than the Lord himself? And David knows the Lord will hide me, conceal me, and lift me high. And so, of course, he desires to be in the presence of the Lord. He says he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord in order to gaze upon his beauty and to seek him. Let me ask you this. How do you gaze upon the beauty of one whom you cannot see? After all, didn't God specifically command his people that they were not to make images to represent him? How do you then gaze upon his beauty? Well, you see, the Lord's beauty is in his character. The Lord is righteous. He is loving. He is merciful and kind holy. He is strong and he is gracious. Gaze upon his character and you will see his beauty. And how do you seek the Lord, one who's unseen? How do you inquire of him? You seek his wisdom and his truth. You ask him his counsel. Now, David isn't literally protected by taking refuge in the tabernacle or what would later be the temple, if that was going to be built. But he writes here metaphorically about the security that comes with the presence of the Lord. And in his presence, David can be victorious. He knows he can rejoice. He does not fear his enemies because taking refuge in the Almighty means that his enemies have no chance of victory over him. Instead, he's expecting the victory. He's rejoicing that comes with the victory. And don't we always celebrate a victory with raised voices and singing? It's hard to, if you're watching a football match live to not sing along. When your team is winning and when, you, when, when you're winning battles, think about when um, we made it to the moon and back as a humanity, the cheering and the raised voices and the singing. 
and when Moses and the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, we have a song that Moses wrote. So when we are afraid, we should seek shelter in the presence of the Lord. And where is the Lord's presence today? Well, if you're a believer, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go to a certain place to be in the Lord's presence. We don't have to be doing anything in particular to be in the Lord's presence. You don't have to go to a church building. Of course, we desire to gather. Of course, we desire to fellowship with others. But the Lord is present with his people. And Jesus promised his disciples he would be with us even to the ends of the earth. Abide in me, he says, and I in you. The Lord is, after all, omnipresent. He's on all places at once. He is transcendent, meaning he's far higher and greater than all things. But the Lord is also imminent, which means he's present and active within the universe. He's constantly relating himself to the world and the universe, sometimes more directly involved than at other times, but he's active through people and in nature. So we just need to look around. And as believers, let us simply remember that the Lord is with us and find our security in that truth. Then we need not be afraid. Where can I go from your spirit? It says in Psalm 139. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So we can't change our feelings of fear just by commanding them to change, but they are influenced by what we think about. So let's remember that the Lord is present with us and find our shelter in him. At any time that we might be fearful, let us seek shelter in his presence and gaze upon his beauty. Let's meditate on his character. So should you be afraid? Well, not if the Lord is around you as your um, stronghold, and certainly not if the Lord is with you as your shelter. And then David reminds himself of one more truth. So let's read again the rest of Psalm 27, beginning in verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So again, we ask this question, should I be afraid? Well, not if the Lord is for me. Not if the Lord is my help. If the Lord is around me, and the Lord is with me, but he's my enemy, then certainly I should be afraid. But if he's around me and he's with me and he's for me, then I know I have nothing to fear. It's interesting how this tone of the psalm quickly turns from the expectation of victory and joy to suddenly an anxiety that maybe the Lord will turn away. Hear my voice, be merciful, answer me. They all sound like desperate pleas, don't they? But David knows that the Lord wants him to seek. And he makes sure that he does just that. And then hypothetically, what if the Lord decides not to be found or even respond? And what if the only lifeline that you had to take to bring you to safety suddenly wasn't there anymore? Well, we know that we shouldn't doubt the faithfulness of God, 
But it seems like David brings that up just so that he can express next what he is absolutely certain of. The Lord will take me in. Wait for the Lord, he says. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. It was Luther who spoke about the way that God and the devil have opposite tactics in regard to fear. The Lord first allows us to become afraid that he might relieve our fears and comfort us. The devil, on the other hand, first makes us feel secure in our pride and in our sins that we might later be overwhelmed with fear and despair. So here also we see David at first, perhaps a little anxi uh, anxiety expressed, but then his confidence is again in the Lord. His hope is in the Lord. He knows he will not be forsaken. As unthinkable as it may be for a father and mother to forsake their own child, it is impossible for the Lord to do so. And so David says with confidence, the Lord will take me in. And so when we have any reason to be afraid, let us also seek help from the Lord. Let us appeal to his mercy. Let us seek him with sincerity. And we know the Lord is using any hardship or any trial, any attack for a variety of purposes. Maybe he's growing us in our faith. Maybe we need to mature more spiritually. Maybe he's going to reveal his glory in such a way that we haven't seen until now. And perhaps he needs to discipline us because our lives need correcting. And we can be pretty certain if the hardship we're experiencing is due to discipline, because you and I know when we've been disobedient, so let's correct our ways immediately. Better yet, let's make sure there is no reason for discipline or no need for the Lord to do so because we've been obedient. We've been doing his will. We've been keeping his commandments and walking in his ways. Which of the, the, those purposes are the reason behind your current challenges? We're facing certainly a lot of uncertainties today because of the coronavirus. And we have been humbled. Many of us have. Many of us have been introspecting. We've exhausted our patience. We've been frustrated. We've been forced to adjust. And in all the uncertainty, one thing is certain, that now is as good a time as any to be seeking the Lord. Let us seek him with sincere faith, knowing that he is loving. Whatever he's allowing in your life and mine, whatever he does is because he loves us. We know that the Lord is also faithful. Things might not happen according to our timetable, but the Lord keeps his promises. And so as David does, let us express our confidence and remind us that the Lord is good. Let us wait for him and he will rescue us. So should you ever be afraid? Remember that the Lord is around you as your stronghold. Remember that God is with you and he is your refuge. And remember that he is for you, your help in times of trouble. The Bible continues to encourage us to fear the Lord and not circumstances. But don't confuse being afraid with the right kind of fear of God that we ought to have. As Tozer is the one that says that the fear of God is astonished reverence. Reverential fear of God mixed with love and fascination and astonishment and admiration and devotion is the most enjoyable state and the most satisfying emotion the human soul can know. That's what Tozer says. So as I closed, we can perhaps look at the uh, verse of Psalm 46 as well. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Is he your refuge and strength? Is he your ever-present help in trouble? Then you should not be afraid. Let us pray. Thank you, God, 
that you are our light and our salvation, that we need not fear anything or anyone. Thank you, God, that you are the strength of our life, the stronghold to protect us. And thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ has covered our sins and that by believing in him, we can have eternal life. So in these days of uncertainty and insecurity, in these days where we may go through emotions of despair and sorrow and fear, we pray, Lord God, that we would be reminded of the truth of who you are. And as we dwell on who you are, and as we seek your counsel, we pray, O oh Lord, that you will replace the fear that's in our hearts with the confidence of the truth of your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of First International Baptist Church of Copenhagen, Denmark. To listen to more sermon podcasts or to learn more about FIBC, please visit www.fibc.dk or facebook.com forward slash FIBC CPH. Thank you for listening.